Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu dot com code GLOW. You are now entering a critical thinking zone. Thinking caps are required beyond this point. From deep behind enemy lines, deep in the heart of the Midwest, it's your host, Andrew Coppins. And it's time for Critical Thinking. Welcome into Critical Thinking, a Thursday edition where we go deep diving on a particular subject and topic. Um, maybe it's philosophical, maybe it's political, maybe it's in the world of sports. Whatever we choose, we are going to deep dive into a subject. Um, we're going to learn about it. We're going to talk about it. And uh, yeah, we're doing that today with Matthew McConaughey's um, and Dana Lash's response to Matthew McConaughey's op-ed in the Austin American Statesman. Um, and, and Pat is already crying again. I'm, dude, it'll be okay. Dude, I'm not crying. I have allergies. I'm not crying. You're crying. I'm not crying. No. You're crying. No, I have allergies. You mm -hmm. know, Whatever you say. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Whatever you say, I'm what? right. What, I, I'm allergic to gun control advocates. Put it that way. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, tight then. <clears throat> now, before we get into the deep dive on Matthew McConaughey's um, op-ed and and the response to that and and all of that wonderful goodness, because I think it is important to understand what the other side of this debate is really trying to do, right? And also to arm yourselves with the truth. That is the vital thing here. But, Pat, before we do all of that, I, I want to play a brand new game with you, Pat. Are, are you prepared? It depends. I, I don't know if I've played. We have, I haven't played this game before, obviously. So uh, what exactly do you want me to do? Well, it's a game uh, based off of this comment. People, when I say that, they wonder what I'm talking about. Uh -huh. People say, people wonder what I'm talking about. <clears throat> this is a uh -huh. new game in which um, I play a random clip of the president of the United States of America, and you guess as to what in the absolute hell he is actually talking about. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm down. I'm down. Okay. What? By, by the way, what do I get if I get it right? A big pat on the back. Really? That's it? Yep. No, I'm serious. You turn on the TV, look at the ads. When's the last time you saw biracial couples on TV? When's the last time you saw the way, I mean, 
people are selling products. They do ads to sell products and they sell products when people, they appeal to people. This generation is going to change everything. We just got to make sure we don't give up. There's an ability for us to do everything from increase the the, the access to education, health care. Look what we did in health care. All, all the. Just, just for kicks, um, if, if I get it right, do I at least get that I'm smarter than Joe Biden? Sure. If I get it wrong, do I also get at least I'm smarter than Joe Biden? I'm not smart. That's what you get if you're wrong. So, okay. I, I guess I should take a stab at this then, eh? Um, let's see. He, he talked about education. He talked about health care. He talked about how this generation is going to change the world. And he also talked about um, the last time we saw a biracial couple on TV. Uh huh. <laughs> so, th- th- I mean, that's what he talked about. That's mm-hmm. what he was saying. Mm-hmm. What What was the question that Jimmy Kimmel asked him, though? I have no idea. Because I mean that 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 certainly would would help with context here. Uh huh. You know what else would help with context here, Pat? What? An answer that made any sense at all. We went from, when's the last time you saw a biracial couple? Wait, 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 wait. So what you're saying now is that um, the the TV and film industry that is in your pocket, um, that believes in every single possible alphabet soup racial category on the planet... Yeah, and believes that they should be celebrated and pushed down your throat. We don't see biracial couples on TV. Um, Big Sky, president of the United States, one of the most popular television shows on network television, features yeah. a African American woman and a white man. Yeah. Who also was attracted to a trans girl on the show, by the way. So you couldn't possibly get more woke than that. Um, just finished the series. This is us. Um, the uncle uh, towards the end of the series meets a stewardess on his flight back to, to Pennsylvania. Whoa, 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 whoa who happens to be black and he's white. Hmm. I mean, that's just picking stuff right off the top of my head, by the way. I literally just came up with that off the top of my head. And that, that was a recent thing. What the hell is he talking about? I don't know. Now, is it any wonder then that this, by the way, Pat, is the... um. White House press secretary speaking on the economy. What we're trying to say, what I'm trying to say to you is that the economy is in a better place than it has been historically. And so we feel here at this administration and other experts as well is that we feel that we are in a good position to take on inflation. We are in a good position to really start uh, really working on. (laughs) What? What? We what? We're in a historically good position in the economy. Look. I understand the job of the White House press secretary is to put lipstick on a pig, right? Is to make sure that you're flowering the language around things that sometimes might not be advantageous for you. But here's the reality, right? Our economy is in the middle of a tailspin. That's the reality of the situation in front of us, right? Right. Okay. So if that is the case, why not just come out and say, hey, we are we are 
trying to do what we can, but the reality of the situation is that um, some things are out of our control. Here's the plan on the things that we can control. I have never understood that in business, in life. Right. I've never understood that. I have never understood why the need to to just flat out lie. And that's not even the worst of it, by the way. Not even close to the worst of it. I, I just... It boggles my mind. I have a question for you on that. Does uh, the new White House press secretary make you miss Jen Psaki? <laughs> That's a really good question, by the way. A very, very good question. Um, but I want I want you to hear this. Because uh, Peter Ducey asked her, why do you think it is that 83% of people polled by the Wall Street Journal say the economy is or, or not so good. Her answer? So when it comes to consumer confidence, is what you're talking about there, we know that can reflect concern and uncertainty about higher prices. People feel the effect of higher prices when they go to the grocery store and they fill up their gains gas tank. She can't even say the word gas tank. Wait, what? But, which the president understands very personally, by the way, when he was growing up, and understanding how, how how when prices elevate, even just a bit, how much that can hurt a family, how much that can really affect, you know, somebody's household. We are in a fundamentally different place compared to when the president took office and compared to this time one year ago. You are correct. She is 100% on that. <clears throat> Gas prices have doubled since Joe Biden took office. And also, exactly one year ago today, the gas price was half of what it is today. Uh, just just for kicks, uh, what is the price of gas where you are? That's a very good question. Um, I haven't looked lately. I know it's somewhere around five something. Let me check real quick. <clears throat> We as of as of last night, huh, the current average according to AAA. So let's use that, okay? Okay. Uh, in the in the state of Illinois, a regular, um, ooh, a regular gallon of gas is five fifty five a gallon. One what? year ago, it was three thirty four a gallon. Now, 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 just wait for it. In Chicago, the city of Chicago, the current average for gas is $6.04 a gallon. A year ago, it was $3.66. And by the way, Pat, this would actually be, this should actually be $6.25 or $0.35 a gallon because we're supposed to have an increase in our gas tax. By constitutional um, or by law, that was supposed to be ironclad, which magically wasn't ironclad as soon as, um, uh oh, and, and Pritzker needs to win an election, right? Right. $6.04 a gallon. See, I thought, I mean, I mean, th- that that's just forecasting what's going to about, about to happen here. I think I thought last night, because I went out last night, um, to run an errand and the the gas station that's close to me was 499 that that was and that was for unleaded and unfortunately my truck doesn't do just the basic unleaded you have to go up like a step so that's like another 10 15 cents on top of that mm-hmm. so i'm paying over five bucks a gallon but i, I thought i thought that was bad and you're you're in much worse condition than we are. That that's just a I mean, forecast of what was coming. Look at California, right? Where in some right. cases they're pl- they're paying what nine ten dollars a gallon. Like it's to the point where I I refuse to do any work in the suburbs at all, unless so unless I can put put it on a lockbox and 
let those showings happen on their own. I, I, I can't afford to do that. I can't afford to be going, you know, 30 miles or, or, or 45 minutes. That's only 10 miles right outside of the, right. I, I can't afford that. I, I literally, I cannot. And on one hand, it, it, it's actually not the worst thing in the world because it also forces you to be hyper local, right? You, your business has to become hyper local at that point, right? You can't just cast the widest net possible just to get a listing or just to get uh, buyers into the door or whatever. But I also want you to hear this because so as we talk about those gas prices, as we talk about the price of milk, I mean, honest to God, the price of milk is still in some cases more expensive than the price of of a gallon of gas. If you I have to um, due to my dietary issues, if you will, or or my um, gastrointestinal issues or gut health issues, if you will. Um, I have to drink grass-fed milk. Um, I cannot drink regular cow's milk. And there's a reason for it, and we've talked about this, right? It has to do with the enzymes that are in the food the cows generally eat today, which is all corn and soy-based, okay? And that gets passed on to human beings. And it's not good for most people, especially myself. It is sometimes 650, 679. If I catch it lucky, it's 629 a gallon or a half a gallon. So both of these things are massively expensive. Like, what do you do as a family, right? If I had kids, I don't know what I would do because most families go through a gallon a day of milk with growing children. But I want you to hear this from the press secretary. She continued to say, and so, you know, during this president, during his this presidency, because she can't even get her thoughts together correctly, people felt uncertainty, uncertain about the economy generally, but they actually felt as good about their personal financial situations as they ever have. According to the Federal Reserve Survey, with nearly 80% of adults reporting that they are financially comfortable. So that matters as well. How do you square those two things, Pat? How? How could you possibly square those two different things, right? The the feeling on the economy and the personal financial situation. How is that possible given where we are today? Well, it's, it's possible when uh, you... Uh put lipstick on a pig's ass. Hmm. It's also possible when um, you don't tell the American people that that survey that you're quoting as a, a great talking point for you. See, the American people believe they're right. personally um, great, right? They're, they're doing great. When do you think that the Federal Reserve Survey was taken, Pat? Just take a stab in the dark. Um, before Joe Biden took office, no, but you're on the right track. October of 2021. Oh, okay. October of 2021, and it won't be taken again until October of 2022. Yeah, I think a lot's changed since uh, October of 2021, don't you? Yeah, namely, um, t- three main things have happened, right, as we go deep diving on this topic real quick. Um, the first thing that has happened here, Pat, is what? Inflation has just massively blown out. We have gone from inflation around, at that time, I want to say about 3 to 4%, right? right? It wasn't terrible. It was trending in, hang on, this isn't going away territory. But it hadn't exploded. We are now averaging 8% on a month by month basis here. So we've doubled that. We've doubled the price of gas. We've doubled this. We've doubled that. Number two, inflation hasn't been. Uh, number two is um, all the benefits from COVID 19 are gone. And 
Um, from a real estate perspective here, Pat, I, I want people to understand this because, again, I am a licensed realtor here in Illinois, and I have to do that by law every single time I talk on this topic. Um, I, I have previously talked about watching the, the homes that are in default, right? Right. And how we're not seeing a massive flood of the market. And even if we did see a massive flood to the marketplace we wouldn't have any issues. That was in February, March of this year. But since February and March, we have gone from about 5% inflation to 8.5, trending towards 10% inflation right now. And by the way, the real inflation number, if you were to use the inflation numbers of the 1980s, is somewhere in the 20s. Like We're above Jimmy Carter territory in, in inflation in an incompetence from a White House. But what happened in October of 2021? Again, your unemployment extra benefits had already been stripped, right? Right. Um, th that was the first full month that you didn't have any of those benefits left, um, extra benefits of unemployment, and likely no unemployment if you've been hanging on throughout uh, the pandemic. Number two, the uh, mortgage uh, forbearance program ended, right? Right. Now, the good news was that we didn't see a lot of uh, people going into default after that. And I explained all of that, right? It had a lot to do with uh, the rules being able to be changed in the game for people that would have naturally been in default to have um, reconfigured their loans. And... And even if you did fall into default, you wouldn't actually be able to lose your home, right? Because the rules at the time were that you were to take that default period and add it to the end of the mortgage. So if they made one payment, the default period that they were in flips to the end of the mortgage. So if, And on top of it, the vast majority of people owning homes today had enough equity in their home to just be able to sell the home and be okay with recovering the closing costs, right? They didn't have to worry about it because the equity in their home was enough. Either 10 to 50% equity in your home gets you the ability by and large, depending on your individual situation, by and large, the vast majority of those people would be able to cover if they had to sell their home to avoid a foreclosure, right? They would be able to do so and have their closing costs covered by the equity in their home. They didn't have to bring any money to the table, which is the problem with people that are in default, right? Well, <clears throat> I, I was speaking to a, a, well, one of the best mortgage lenders here in Chicago. Um, was it Tuesday or Monday? Monday. I had a lunch and learn. We have now seen the default number climb from about zero or about a hundred, let's say a hundred thousand. Okay. Which is a pretty natural, normal number to 375,000 in this country in the last six months. Now I had talked about this from the perspective of, so what? Here's why that matters because every one of them have had an opportunity over those last six months to be able to get right in their mortgage, right? to be able to start restart that payment cycle, every one of them. But when you start to see that increase, and you know that here in the Midwest, there's a 7% decline in the number of showings of homes in April, year over year. So we're seeing a almost 10% decline in the number of people looking at homes year over year. So we're seeing a decrease in the strength of the buyer's market, an increase in the potential for supply coming to the market. What are we about to see here? We're about to see a correction of the market to a normalized level. That doesn't necessarily help the housing market. Because if we continue to see these patterns of decline, right, at 7, 8, 9% on a month-by-month basis 
year over year, of course. If we start to see that, and we're starting to flood the market with homes that are in default, and thus, you know, probate or REO, all that's, you know, real estate owned um, properties, right? Um, we could see a problem in the market. We could see that the the aggressive pricing in the marketplace goes away. That doesn't mean that it won't be still a healthy market. It just means that what you and I have been used to, where a lot of people could throw a dart at a wall and, and name a price, right? And people would pay it. Those days are going to go away. We are seeing fundamental issues in our economy on broad, broad spectrums. We talk about uh, Target, right? What did they come out and say yesterday? They're literally putting, they literally got shipments in from China that were supposed to have been here last November. Seasonal stuff. To the point where you can buy a new 65-inch TV for under $500 because they have such a glut. And because it's all stuff that were was last season, right? Last year's models or 2021 or 2020 models that were going to be on sale for 2021's Christmas, which are now 2021 models that would be on sale for 2022 Christmas, right? Right. But we're supposed to believe that 80% of adults believe that they're financially comfortable. No, this is the. Uh, I want you to think about that while he goes on Jimmy Kimmel and babbles on about some weird that we don't see biracial people on TV thing. We have the Haitian black lesbian press secretary talking gobbledygook about the economy, gaslighting us. Look there again. I don't have a problem with flowering the language around something, right? I don't have a problem with cherry picking data necessarily, right? But if that data, but like for instance, here's a great example of this using one version of the unemployment number versus another. That's flowering or using data to your advantage, right? Or to your disadvantage because in some cases, you're using the non-farm number. In other cases, you're using the farm number. Or, alternatively, you're not using the real number. You're using the, the number the Federal Reserve likes to use, right? Right. We all know that that, that that is the game that's played all the time. Because what can you do with data? You can make it say anything if you want it to. There, I don't have a problem with that. I have a problem with you gaslighting us using that data, though. Taking data from a time and a place that doesn't exist anymore and, and expecting us to believe that that's the truth today. While we see $6 a gallon gas, while we see milk going to $7, while we see, you know, all this other stuff, while we'll see people earning a hundred thousand dollars a year going, I don't know how I can afford to, to live within my means anymore. Because that's the reality for people at $100,000 a year, by the way, right now. Because when you go from a gallon of milk costing $3 to doubling it, right? The average individual earning $50,000 a year, two years ago, three years ago, let's say, pre-pandemic, could have survived no problems, right? Right. Today, the cost of housing, the cost of food, the cost of gas, the cost of the basic essentials has more than doubled for a lot of people. So $100,000 barely scrapes you by now. It's insane. You know, I don't necessarily want to get into this now, but but uh, whenever I see, I mean, like uh, you look at uh, presidencies historically that, that have gone through something like this or, or something very similar, like, like Jimmy Carter, for example. Mm-hmm. It seems to me like like when whenever an election cycle comes up, they get their asses handed to them. I don't so, know if that's going to be the case. I I, I, I don't know. I I, but, I I for I 
thoroughly believe that they will lose both the House and the Senate because I think that's just a trend anyway. I'm starting to question how thoroughly this is going to be because the Republican Party is absolutely 100% inept and 100% incapable of presenting something to the American people that makes sense. I, I totally agree. I, I'm just I don't know. I, I don't I don't know how this administration recovers from this over the next I mean they, they would have to turn this economy around, first of all. Well, and especially this, and, Pat. When I look at it this way, the the topic we talked about yesterday, two point five trillion dollar raise in the debt ceiling. The Republican Party basically said, Yeah, do it, but we're gonna right. get the symbolic vote against it, right? Right. But wink, wink, nudge, nudge, do it anyway. Why? Because they they make a calculus that they don't want a summer um, government shutdown while the rest of the economy is sucking, right? That's basically what they said. We we Here's the deal, though. If you could tell the American people, here is the deal. We cannot continue to print more money out of the Federal Reserve to the tune of $2.5 trillion over the next eight months. We can't continue to do that while we see 8, 9, 10% inflation. Our goal here is to make the economy healthy. And the problem is not you, me, and everybody else in, in the um, economy. The problem is our government flooding money into the economy like a clogged toilet, right? That you continue to flush. What do you think is going to happen? Right? I mean, all you're going to do is see the water continue to rise and rise and rise until you do what? Deal with the root issue. And then you end up in a home remodel. <laughs> right. And how's that working out for you, Pat? Uh, We're finally almost done. Um, the, 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 the sad part is, is that the, they have, uh, screwed up some stuff Yeah, and had like, they had to go back and fix my shower. And then, uh, when I threatened to fire them, they, they magically started, uh, working faster, um, because we're in week nine of a four week commitment of what was supposed to be done in, in four weeks, which I thought, you know, five, six weeks is probably more realistic. We're in week nine. Um, by the time we'll, we'll be done, because we're waiting for some closet doors to come in still, uh, it'll be 10 weeks. Oh, man. No boy, no. And that, that's just for the remodel, by the way. We've been dealing with this since the end of February. That's insane, man. That is absolutely yeah. insane. So we're, we're excited to have our house back in hopefully another week or so. Wow. That's unreal. Unreal. It, it it really it really is. It really is. All right. So, I think it's time Pat to have a little bit of fun before we go deep diving on the uh, other topic of of um of the day. Are you ready? Are you are, are, are we going to play the B or not the B? You are correct. Yeah, so we are playing the B or not the B. Let's two games for you, Pat, today. Two games. Not oh, one, but yay. two. Yay. All right. So today's headline is Thrilling New Top Gun Sequel Shows Predator Drone Completing Same Mission in 30 Seconds. Thrilling New Top Gun Sequel Shows Predator Drone Completing Same Mission in 30 Seconds. And while you are thinking about that again, folks, if you are in need of buying your new home, your dream home, or selling your current home because you want to get the bleep out of the state of Illinois, which I don't necessarily blame you for, please consider going to CloseWithCoppins.com. Check out me, myself, and I in the world of real estate. Check out what I can do for you. Um, See how I can help you, but go to CloseWithCoppins today. Again, that is CloseWithCoppins.com, Exit Strategy Realty, here in Chicago, 
And uh, yeah, if, by the way, you are elsewhere and you would love for yourself to find somebody like-minded, let me know. I can definitely refer you to the correct people um, in your area. Exit uh, Realty has places in all 50 states, um, probably where you live or close thereby. And even if it is not them, um, I will find you that individual. So go ahead and contact me today. You can DM me also on Twitter. I'm at the Coppin Show. He's at the Pat Oni Show. Um, go ahead and DM me and let me know. All right. That having been said, Patrick, do you need the um, headline one more time? I know your 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 mind uh, was so fried by this headline that it literally blew your breakers. It, it did. It did. We actually had to uh, you know stop recording of the show for a second because uh, that was fun. <laughs> um. Okay. Um. I'm gonna go with this being the Babylon Bee. Only because I've seen the movie and they actually had this argument in the movie. Are you sure about this? Yes, I'm pretty damn sure. Well, your instinct is correct. This is from the Babylon Bee. Again, the headline is thrilling new Top Gun sequel shows Predator drone completing same mission in 30 seconds. San Diego, California. With a runtime of one and a half minutes, new release Top Gun Predator shows a drone completing the exact same mission as in Maverick, but way faster. That's right. Top Gun Predator. <laughs> this is easily the most realistic Top Gun movie yet, said Navy pilot Ryan Mayonnaise Matthews. It's a 30 second thrill ride, wondering if the pilot will finish his bag of Doritos before the drone blows up the target. Producer Tom Cruise said the script for the new movie really wrote itself after he sat down with actual pilots to get their take on Top Gun Maverick. The Navy guys just kept asking why there were people in actual airplanes, said Cruise. They were adamant their drones could have performed the mission much more safely in under a minute. They also kept asking why we had to use so much body oil for the football scene, saying the Navy is gay enough already. Filmed on-site at a real Navy trailer in the middle of the Nevada desert, Top Gun Predator still manages to pack a lot of action into its 90 seconds. Quote, you really feel like you're part of the action, watching the pilot absentmindedly drum his fingers while he completes the raid, said Cruz. Quote, we replaced the bit characters with literal cardboard cutouts and managed to squeeze in the exact same character arc once again, with Maverick learning to get to let go of Goose for the third time but he's getting faster at it. Also, we still have a random person walk up and yell fifth generation fighter every 10 seconds at publishing time. The writer of the new sequel has been banished from friends and family for his apparent low view of Top Gun Maverick, the greatest cinematic achievement since Paul Blart mall cop two. So apparently the people at Babylon B do not have the opinion that you and I have of Top Gun Maverick. Uh, apparently not, but uh, I, I will say this: they, they, um, the the drone strike that they mentioned um, did solve another problem. What, what, what was that? Uh, Maverick didn't have to talk to Goose in this one, or Goose didn't have to talk to Maverick. Good point. That is a good point. Yeah. That was a yeah. very good point. Um, yeah. Furthermore, I, I think they missed the the portion of the setup of the mission in Top Gun. Uh, yeah, they they sort of did. Because um, there's a reason you don't use the drone. There's a reason why you don't use um, like a C-130 or other or, you know, B-52 bombers or whatever. They, right? They literally had this argument in the movie. Literally. Yeah. <clears throat> there's these things called SAMs. Surface to air missiles that would have taken a missile put down by a drone and blown it out of the damn sky i mean come on yeah. look do i do i think this is like the the greatest plot of all time no of course not we we it, it is cheese right it is 100 percent cheese but that's okay not everything has to be like the the you know super melodramatic um story arc of the year 
it was still fun. And and by it the was way, freaking amazingly fun. God forbid way, we have that in our society. Because I'm sure you probably saw like the clip at the very beginning of the movie where Tom Cruise is explaining that, that it's not done by CGI. Mm-hmm. That uh, they're all actually flying the airplanes. That is correct. Um, yep, 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 yep. Because Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise has had his pilot's license for years, and then he wanted everyone else to get theirs as well, so that they could right. all be like, like right. taking. The, the, obviously, they, they didn't fly all of the right. scenes, right? But right. Um, there was a lot of real flying in that movie that didn't exist in Top Gun. Correct. Now. Speaking of things that do, don't exist, um, some of the straw man arguments made by Matthew McConaughey. It is time to go deep diving again, Pat, after we went deep diving on what in the absolute hell is the Biden White House saying. And, and, and I wanted to use, by the way, I, I, th- I hope you got this. I wanted to use Kimmel, Joe Biden talking on Kimmel and Kareem uh, Pierre Jackson, I believe, right? Is her name? Uh, yeah, sure. Sure. Whatever. I, yeah, um, whatever. Kareen. We'll just use that. Um, she's she's got awful at her job. Um, right. But I wanted you to see and hear both of both of those incoherent babblings together to hopefully get home the point. This is an absolute disgrace of a presidency. This is utter incompetence. This is they have no plan. They have no way of dealing with this. And rather than that, they are just flailing about. Mind you, this administration, by the way, Pat, is full of so, some of the quote-unquote smartest and most well-heeled and most veteran people in <clears throat> democratic politics of the last 25, 30 years, right? Yeah, and I'm more famous than Mickey Mouse. Moving on. Um, yep. So Matthew McConaughey... Uh, after the Uvalde, Texas shooting, which, again, if you weren't paying attention yesterday, the reason why he is front and center is because he's the most famous person to ever have lived in Uvalde, Texas. He was born there. So apparently that gives him the cachet, right, to talk on this very subject. Well, it'd be like, hey, guess what? I was born and raised and I spent my first 30 plus years in Green Bay, Wisconsin. I actually would have some cachet there. Right. Because I know the city intimately, but I couldn't speak on what's happening there today because I've lived here in Chicago for almost a decade. How do I know what's going on in that city today? I I, I can't possibly have that knowledge, but but hey, Matthew McConaughey is a is a star actor and, um, you know, he he was going to run for governor, so we should probably listen to him. But Dana Lash took down his um, um, stuff, his op-ed, his stuff, his op-ed from the uh, statesman. It's the Austin American statesman, if you're curious. But one of his points from his piece, she begins by saying this. Um, McConaughey says, all gun purchases should require a background check. 88% of Americans support this, including a lot of responsible gun-owning Texans. Where do you think this is going to go, Pat? By the way, where where do you think McConaughey is going with this? What story is he about to tell us? Um, he he's probably going to be going along the lines of uh, another infamous uh, mass shooting in recent years, something like I don't know uh, Parkland or the South Carolina shooting, and he's yeah. going to say that hey, th- this could have been completely prevented had they you know had a proper background check. That 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 that's the, what he's going to tell everyone. You are correct, because he goes on to say um, blank, because uh, we refuse to use the names of these people, um, who killed nine people in a black church in South Carolina in 2015, got his pistol without a completed background check due to a legal technicality. The system failed. Gun control activists call this a loophole. I call it incompetence. So here's the, here's the deal. <clears throat> it is an utter lack of understanding of the process and how it actually works. Literally, James Comey, who I I am pretty damn sure is not in the business of um, handing gun um, rights people a victory at any level. But 
all purchases, all of them, already go through background checks. The only purchases that do not have to qualify for a background check, Pat, today are intra-state private sales of non-NFA, that's National Firearms Act, items. So that's things like machine guns and all that sort of stuff. Things that are explicitly laid out in the NFA. So, for instance, if I was living in Utah and I no longer wanted to own this gun or you wanted a gun that I owned, I could privately sell that to you without a background check, depending on whether or not that item was on the NFA. If I were to sell you something on the NFA, I am in a direct violation of federal law committing a felony. It's already illegal to do that. But otherwise, every single time you go to purchase a weapon, you must complete a background check. Period. Point blank. There is zero evidence to support the claim that lawful private transfers drives crime. Zero evidence. Well, what about uh, what about the fact that they can trace the guns and committing crimes in in uh, Chicago to like Mississippi and, and Indiana? They committed felonies to bring those guns here. Hear me out on this: taking a gun from the state of Mississippi, transferring it to the state of Illinois, and selling it is already. Illegal. It's almost like um, the point that you're making is something that is already illegal almost just doesn't matter to those that are wanting to commit the crime. You know what else is already illegal, Pat? What? What's that? Bringing a gun onto school property. Illegal. You know what else is illegal? Murder. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 almost like um, you could put all these things to paper all you want. At the end of the day, criminals just don't care about the laws. And it's not just criminals, by the way. It because you don't turn into a criminal, um, by deciding I want to commit a crime. That's usually not how that works. But that being said, it is usually because somebody has evil that they want to commit. And it, and it is that spirit of the age, that demonic power within all of us, by the way, every single person. Right. Right. And it's why it's important to root yourself in God, to root yourself in some sort of morality, whatever that might look like for you, by the way. I'm not saying go out there and you must. My preference for you and for the, the world would be to believe in my Catholic faith, just like your preference would be to believe in your um, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, right? Right. But that doesn't mean not only that, Pat, but here in that specific case in South Carolina, the background check didn't fail. That is patently false. What did fail was human understanding of the system. Now, Basically, what happened is that the individual who completed the background check did her job by the letter of how this was supposed to go. Okay. She went on the website of the county in which there was allegedly a case against this individual. Okay. There was already a case pending. It had not, according to the system, been adjudicated, right? Well, her review of the court website for Lexington County in South Carolina showed that the individual was a defendant, but was not yet dis- uh, had a disposition in the case, which meant he was not a convicted felon. Therefore, he was legally allowed to own this firearm, right? Right. But she faxed a request in. She went above and beyond. She also ref- faxed a request into Lexington County Sheriff's Office asking for more details on the case. Third, 
She also faxed a similar request to the Lexington County Prosecutor's Office, trying to figure out if this case was about to be adjudicated or not. She heard back from both the sheriff's office, uh, telling, excuse me, she heard back from the sheriff's office telling her that the case was not theirs. She should check with the Columbia Police Department, meaning Columbia, South Carolina, right? The right. That's where the University of South Carolina is. Not knowing the geography, she did what she was supposed to do and followed the protocol. Examiners use contact sheets that list criminal justice organizations organized by state and county because the arrest was attributed. The arrest was attributed to Lexington County's sheriff's office. She was dealing with Lexington County, right? In her mind. This is who I'm dealing with. I'm not supposed to know where all this works. As she examined it, she did not see a listing for Columbia, but she did see a listing for West Columbia in Lexington County. So informed by that, she went to West Columbia and did the same thing. She literally went above and beyond every single thing that she could possibly do. She did all of her due diligence and then some. It turns out the problem is that West Columbia is in Lexington County. Columbia is in Richland County. She couldn't reach out to Richland County because she didn't know she needed to look for Richland County. It turns out that human error in writing down the fact sheet of the case that Dylan Roof had was the problem. Not the person trying to complete the background check who did all of their due diligence. But... One more day would not have mattered in this case, by the way, just waiting 24 hours. The FBI director has said that clerical errors led to that individual being able to legally purchase the gun in April of 2015. And quote, the FBI didn't confirm the sale should not have been allowed until after the shooting two months later. What are we supposed to do? This is always the thing that I talk about. Humans are fallible. Humans can make mistakes, right? Humans are right. not perfectible. No matter what uh, Klaus Schwab and his, his little minions in the World Economic Forum want you to believe, humanity is not perfectible. It's not supposed to be perfectible. The only time that humanity is perfectible is in the image of God. When you meet God in heaven, should you get there, by the way. That's the assumption of Catholicism. So that's that's that point. The second point, Pat. Unless you are in the military, you should be 21 years old to purchase an assault rifle. I'm not talking about 12-gauge shotguns or lever-action hunting rifles. I'm talking about the weapon of choice for mass murderers, AR-15s. The killer in my hometown, Vivaldi, purchased two AR-15s for his 18th birthday just days before he killed 19 students and two teachers. He obeyed the law. Had the law been different, perhaps I wouldn't be writing this today. Um, oh. Again, Pat, this is why I talked about um, murder is illegal. Right. By the way, he didn't follow the law, period, point blank. He murdered 21 people. Right. 19 students, or 19 students and staff, and then two other individuals, including his own grandmother, by the way. Um. Also, um, mass murder. Mm -hmm. um, how many times? AR-15s have clearly been used in mass murders before, but is that the most common weapon used? No. We've talked about exactly. this before. The most yep. common weapon used is a common handgun. Right. In fact, of all the quote-unquote mass shootings, like, let's okay, so let's take school shootings. Of all the school shootings as of late, only nine of them included a quote-unquote assault weapon, however the hell you wanted to find that. Nine. Nine out of 40. That's, that's less than 20%. Oh, and, and by the way, for, for those that are by chance listening to this that are all about the gun control crap, AR does not stand for assault rifle. Armalite. Now, um, do you, as Dana Lash points out, it's not about his age either. This is the most straw man of all of the arguments. 
well, if we just and leave aside the you can fight and die for your country and and literally blast a machine gun right um at the age of 18 right in in the in the army or in the marines or whatever have you right and go ahead and do that but we can't trust you to privately own that we're gonna trust you to publicly do that at war but hey whatever leave that all aside this is the biggest straw man of all of the arguments because the average age of a mass shooter in the United States of America is 33 years old. So your 21-year-old argument goes out the window. Let's take a look at this, okay? How about this? The Vegas killer. He was a 64-year-old individual. Vatek, yep. 23. Sutherland Springs, 26. El Paso, 21. The Pulse nightclub killer in Orlando, 29. The Thousand Oaks, California killer, 28. San Bernardino, California, 29, 28. Fort Hood, that terrorist, 51. How about the Pittsburgh Synagogue, right? 46. Turns out it takes all stripes. Now, in addition, from RAND, by the way, which if you don't know what that stands for, look it up. Most mass shooters are under the age of 45. But 26% of mass public shooters from 76 to 2018 were younger than the age of 25. 27% were 25 to 34. And, and so 26% of public mass shooters, by the way, were younger than 25. 27, 25 to 34, 29, 35 to 44. So relative to the overall U.S. population, mass public shooting offenders are much more likely to be male and somewhat younger relative to other homicide offenders. Males and non-Hispanic whites are overrepresented among mass public shooters, and mass public shooters are older. For comparison, the overall U.S. population in 2019, approximately 49% were male, 60% were younger than 45, and 60% were non-Hispanic white. Of murderers in 2018, with known offender characteristics, 88% were men. 84% were younger than 45, with 38% younger than 25. 42% were white. Raising the age, all of this is to point out, would not have stopped any of the worst of the worst of the mass casualty shootings in the country's history. Not one of them. All this does is penalize innocent people. This doesn't help. Like I've said from the very get-go, I am willing to listen if you can prove to me that your measure would actually help, would actually solve. Because what's the problem? What are potential solutions? I always ask that of people I deal with. What is the problem in front of us? What are the potential solutions? Which ones make sense? Now, we continue. Go ahead, Pat. I was going to say, here's the other thing I would add to that, though, is is it's not just what are the solutions and what makes sense. It is what are the solutions and what doesn't infringe upon individual liberty. Um, so, like, like, can you present me a solution that works, but that also does not take away from the rights of others? Can you mm -hmm. do that? Mm -hmm. Right. I, and, I have yet to hear that. And we're about to get into that because the third part of this is McConaughey saying that red flag laws should be the law of the land. These measures, which are already in effect in 19 states in Washington, D.C., empower loved ones or law enforcement to petition courts to temporarily prevent individuals who may be a threat to themselves or others from purchasing or accessing firearms. These laws must respect due process, judicial review, and hold account individuals who may abuse such laws. That's not how a red flag law works, Matthew McConaughey. The red flag law doesn't, doesn't respect due process. It doesn't respect judicial review. It is literally, I could write tomorrow, by the way, Pat, to your, if, if you had a red flag law in Utah, I don't know if you do. Uh, I don't believe we do. But if you did, I could write to the judge and say, I think Pat, Pat Oney is about to kill himself. Um, take away the guns. That's all it takes. There's no real review. And by the way, a third of the cases that do go for review <clears throat> actually get overturned. And oh, by the way, of the two thirds of the cases that don't get overturned, another one third of them are not overturned because people don't have the money to spend on the lawyer to be able to overturn the already adjudicated decision. 
versus being able to hire a public defender to defend yourself, right? In a due process already allowed in all 50 states mental health um, law situation. There's already on the books laws that would deal with this. But hey, I've already talked about that. We don't need to go any further. Unless you have something to add. I was going to say, I mean, this whole argument is a a guilty until proven innocent. That's how they're that's how they're treating people. You are you are basically with a with a red flag law. You are treating someone guilty until they are otherwise proven innocent. Secondly, there is no evidence, none whatsoever, freaking ever that red flag laws work. So, mm-hmm. in fact, it, it, we we have a great example of how they don't get used. The Buffalo, New York shooting, the recent Buffalo, New York shooting. The red flag law is on the books, right? Right. A retired FBI agent was told by the killer that he was going to do this. They could have easily gone and taken away his guns, right? But they didn't. They didn't do anything about it. You have that law on the books already in that state, and it didn't work. It failed. And it's not a human error. It is literally, this is see something, say something, right? That's the the premise of red flag laws. If you see something, if you think this is a problem, you say something to the authorities and they take care of it. That's the alleged process of, of red flag laws. And it didn't work. Due process freaking matters. It does matter. Because you can't take the word of somebody else just because. That's a really dangerous precedent to be setting. But there's a fourth thing here where McConaughey says that we need to institute a national waiting period for assault rifles because naturally, right? Individuals often purchase weapons in a fit of rage. <clears throat> no, most of them no, purchase, no. purchase them, I would say, rather calmly and with a lot of due diligence, but harming themselves or others, by the way, he continues. Studies show that mandatory waiting periods reduce homicides by 17%. Gun suicides account for the majority of U.S. gun deaths. A waiting period to purchase an assault rifle is an acceptable sacrifice for responsible gun owners when it can prevent a mass shooting, crime of passion, or suicide. I'm calling bullshit on that. Now, yeah, exactly. I don't know where he gets that 17% statistic. He's never bothered to cite it. And that's the thing that I have a problem with. Where's your evidence? Because I've got evidence that says there's zero evidence to support that waiting period to stop or reduce crime. For instance, um, from PolitiFact, waiting period laws are intended to reduce suicide, violent crime, and mass shootings in several ways. First, waiting periods are primarily designed to disrupt impulsive acts of violence, blah, 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 blah. While it is possible that this cooling off period could reduce impulsive interpersonal gun violence, some evidence exists for the potential effects of this mechanism in reducing suicides. Still, for some individuals, waiting periods may serve only to delay suicides rather than prevent them. Evidence from a cohort of handgun purchasers in California found that while almost no firearm suicides were committed by this population during the state's 15-day waiting period, the most elevated relative risk of firearm suicide compared to the general population occurred in the first week after receipt of the weapon. So after they got the weapon, it didn't matter when they got the weapon, right? No matter what guidepost, no matter how long, two months, four months, eight months, a year, you have to wait to purchase it. The very first week, they remained highly elevated, by the way, for the first month of the purchase. That's a 1999 study. Moreover, most firearms are purchased by individuals who already own a firearm. That's from a 2017 study. And that found that on average, gun owners had close to five firearms each. And a large majority, 62%, purchased their most recent weapon from a licensed gun dealer. For those who already own guns, a waiting period may have little or no effect on suicide risk. PolitiFact also has way more than that, too, by the way. Oh, and by the way, how about Sandy Hook, right? They talk about that. Well, Sandy Hook, the killer stole his mother's firearms because he didn't feel like waiting for the 14-day waiting period that he would have been required to have done in the state of Connecticut. 
Also, by the way, we talked about the black market, right? All you do is shove people into the black market that want to commit crime. There is zero evidence to suggest that anything is reduced. And by the way, notice the moving goalpost. It went from we have to we have to reduce mass shootings to what about suicide? Whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) Those are two separate issues. Yeah. Uh, Also, um, taking pills to commit suicide is illegal. Suicide, by the way, is illegal. Did you know that? In every state in the United States of America, suicide is an illegal activity. I mean, it's kind of funny because if people really want to do it, they're going to do it. And then what are you going to do to them? You actually can put them in jail in a psychiatric hospital. You can put them in jail for attempted suicide. Okay, for it, but that's attempted. To, but if they actually do it, what are you? What are you going to do? Right, because that <laughs> unfortunately, right, sad and tragic as it is. Again, we we're deep diving on this because it is important that you understand these are the 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 arguments and the continuation of the moving goalpost of, um, yeah, your first point, no, that doesn't. Well, what about this? Well, what about that? Well, what about this? Well, what about that? The reality of the situation is we don't understand the human mind enough to be able to, well, if we don't, we got to take away the web. It doesn't matter. Waukesha, cars, uh, you know, it's the mind. And here's the unfortunate reality of the mind. We don't have a way to deal with the mind in a way that would allow us to, um, I don't know, minority report this thing. We just don't. And we never should, by the way. Right, because, I mean, you're innocent until otherwise proven guilty. Now, with all of that having been said, Pat, I hope everybody got something out of this deep dive or the two deep dives that we did today. And with that, your final thoughts. Don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no. And uh, if you watch closely, you can see Corinne Jean-Pierre mutter at the mic. Oh, yeah, it's Jean-Pierre. Talk to me, Talk to me. (laughs) Please be smart, be safe, and be kind. Matthew 547. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skide af alle de der podcasts og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel.